Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. This morning, we're continuing on in our sermon series that we've entitled Heart for the house, heart for the house. And we're, we're going over the four core values of Radiant Life Church. Now understand, I've unpacked this at every service and I will unpack it probably again next uh, Sunday just so everybody is on the same page. These values are principles in which we serve by. Now we've, as we've unpacked them, I've also shared like, hey, understand that I'm, we're not talking about mission we're not, or missions or worship, or prayer, or discipleship, and evangelism, because those are biblical mandates. Those are non-negotiables. It's what we do as a church. But how do we do that? How do we serve people are with our values. You can remember them with one simple word, which is lupa. Okay, lupa. We value love, which people matter. We value unity, we're better together. And then the P, which we're gonna talk about today, is we value passion going beyond. Jesus gave his life for us. So that means we give our best for his best. Jesus didn't give his whole life so we could give half of our heart. Right, like, you know what? I'll just go through the motions. You know what? He gave everything and I'll give it what I feel like. No, he gave his whole life, which means for us, then we, we don't wanna give half of our heart because we value passion and going beyond. That means we look we love what we do and we look forward to doing it, right? We say it all the time. We don't, we don't have to serve, we get to serve. Or we don't have to be generous, we get to be generous. We, 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 we get to be involved in helping meet the needs of others. If you have your Bibles with, with you, turn to the book of Matthew chapter five. In just a few moments, we're gonna be reading a singular verse. But, but in Matthew chapter five, this is Jesus giving a sermon. So if Jesus is preaching, maybe we should be listening, right? And so Jesus is preaching to the crowd. This is the sermon on the mount. Jesus is sharing some beatitudes. He's covering some things. Now understand the crowd that's listening is, is very understanding of Old Testament and law. And Jesus is coming along talking about grace and he's sharing some things and he says this very this often in the Beatitudes. You've heard it said, right? You've heard it preached, you've read, but I say, all right? And then he begins unpacking some things in the Beatitudes. Uh, he's talking about how we need to be salt and light. And then he begins sharing some things about anger. And he says some hard things like, hey, if you're angry with someone, then it's like you've committed murder. Like I was good with the law, thou shalt not kill. But now you've taken it a step up, Jesus. And, and now we're not supposed to be angry with people. And then he says, if you look at someone in a lustful way, you've committed adultery in your heart. He talks about divorce. He mentions vows. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. And then he gets to revenge. Right? He starts sharing revenge. And he says, the law says an eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. Right? And they're very used to this, so they understand. But then he goes, he goes on and he says, listen, if someone slaps you in the left cheek, turn and offer the other one. For real? Like, come on, Jesus. Like, I, it, I was good with eye for eye. Like, I'll throw hands and knock somebody out. But now you're saying you got you to turn, you got to offer the other cheek. 
I don't want to add or take away from the text, but it doesn't say anything about drop kicking someone if they punch you. I just, I, it didn't say it. So no, we can't do that either, right? And so, so Jesus goes on and he continues about this revenge. And he says, if you're sued in court for your shirt, give them your coat too. Right, so someone is suing you. Don't even just get, don't go right here. Take it up a level. And then he, he begins to share one more, one more thought. And in Matthew chapter five, verse 41 about revenge, this is what he said. He said, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now for us, we may be going like, I'm not sure if that makes sense to me. Well, the Romans are conquering territories. As the Romans are conquering territories, they're building superhighways as well. Now, superhighways, maybe not what it looks like at the 76, 77, Route 8 interchange, right? Listen, by 2030, it will all be done, okay? Just be patient, people, be patient. And then they'll start again, but it's okay. But, but here's the deal, is, is we see here that, that, that Rome has all these superhighways. They're building roads. They have mile markers. When, when you, if you've ever heard the, the, the phrase, all roads lead to Rome, it's because they did. They were, they were building and they were taking over territories. And man, they, they had signs like, hey, this is what's to come. And, and so the crowd listening is understanding what they're talking about. Not just because of the roads, but because it was the law. This wasn't a thought. This wasn't like, eh, this was a law. The law states that a, that a Roman soldier could come up to you as a Jew, tell you to carry their stuff, and you would have to carry that for a mile. It wasn't optional. I don't, I don't think you want to end up in a Roman prison. And so now here you find yourself carrying that gear. One would think that this would be something that would be humiliating, that you would want to seek revenge for this or or you would have some type of mindset that goes, man, this just isn't right. I wish someone would overthrow the government. And many thought that's what Jesus had come to do, right? He's the Messiah. He's going to make everything right. And so he's come. And so we don't, we won't have to carry it a mile. We'll never have to do this again. And then Jesus comes along and says, listen, not only are you going to carry it one, I would challenge you to carry it two. Now, is, he say, is Jesus saying, hey, listen, I want you to be treated poorly. I want you to be bullied and, and, and to go through all that. No, what he's saying is, I want you to go beyond for your love of people. I don't want you just to love people who are easy. I want you to love people who are difficult. It's easy to love people who are easy to love. But the people who, who maybe you have some tension with, the people who, who are gonna ask you to carry their sack or their instruments, their, their gear a mile I want you to go the extra mile and carry it too. Jesus was saying the first mile is obligated by the law. The second mile is compelled by love. The first one, you don't have a choice. You have to do it. But the second one, I want you to do it because you're compelled by love. You see, the first mile is the hardest mile. As a former runner, remember I said former, not so much anymore. Now I'm more of a watcher, right? I watch people run like, you're doing really good on that treadmill. Somebody, never mind. But, but, it, but it's one of those things where I understand what that first mile was like, right? You're in a big race and there's hundreds of people and you take off and you're running. I never caught a second wind in my first mile, right? That usually comes later. And so that mile really sets the tone. And so, so understanding this first mile is inconvenient for them. It's a struggle. It makes you lower your pride. But the second mile, however, gets the attention of something bigger at play. Imagine a young boy is being peeled, pulled off the field, right? He's harvesting crops. 
He's doing his work. He's, he's going he's to be compensated for the work he's doing. And all of a sudden the Roman's like, hey, come here. Come here. I want you to do me a favor. Actually, it's not a favor. It's the law. And so you stop what you're doing. And I want you to carry this bag one mile. And as that young boy has to leave that field and that pay and begin carrying that bag for that Roman soldier. And once he gets past that first mile, for sure, he's going to do what you and I would do. He's going to drop the bag. He's going to spit on it. He's going to complain on his way back to the field. That jerk, why they made, right? Okay, maybe not you. That's only something I would do, all right? But can you just imagine that boy carrying that bag and he gets to that mile and the, Roman, the Roman's like, thanks, you can drop it, just put it there. And the boy goes, oh no. You, you asked me and it's required by law, so I'm obligated to say yes to you to carry it the first mile. But I want you to know the second mile is not out of obligation, it's out of love, it's out of passion. And so I'm not just gonna carry it one, I'm gonna carry it two. It's when you go that second mile, it's where others see your passion. It's in the second mile that others see the heart of the gospel. It's in the second mile that it's moved from a mandate to a miracle. It's in the second mile that stirs up a holy curiosity in itself. It begs the onlooker to go, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you sacrifice? Why would you give of your time? Why would you give? You could have been back on the field making money. You could have been, you could have been walking back home, but now you have to walk back two miles instead of one. And you may ask, why? Why are you so kind? Why are you so kind? Why, why are you bringing me a meal? Why did you bring my trash can back to the road? Why, why do you have so much joy when you serve at church? You see, it's the passion of the second mile that reveals our purpose. The heart of the matter. Why are we doing what we're doing? Not because we have unlimited amount of time and it's just because we have nothing else better to do with our time. It's not because we have unlimited uh, amount of resources that we have a money tree that just keeps just dropping money all day, every day. And so we spend it on other people. No, it's because the second mile, the going beyond, the passion that we have reveals our purpose. But here's what I know to be true. That there are times in our life when there are, we wonder like, well, what are people going to think about me when they see my passion? Here's what I know, that people, people are going to have something to say about you regardless. So why not give them something to talk about? Why not show them your passion, your zeal, who you are? Like, man, I, I, the reason I went the extra mile, it's because I'm in love with Jesus. Well, I don't want, ah, do I want people to know? Yeah, of course we want people to know. But sometimes when you get passionate, apathetic people get threatened. Sometimes when you get passionate, apathetic people get threatened. Like, listen, I know everybody else is raising their hand, but don't raise your hand. Like, I don't, what, what will people think? Like, if you go here, 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 there, there, like, what are people going to think? Like, I get standing, I'm good, but, but raising your hand, that's just too much passion. You sing way too loud. Well, I want my passion to exude. Because this is not about me. This is about him. It's about putting myself in a posture that says, Jesus, I'm here for you and I surrender to you. But sometimes when we get passionate, apathetic people get threatened. Like you don't have to be the one to give the dollar for stand Sunday. Somebody else will give the dollar. You don't have to give to missions. Somebody else will give to missions. Somebody else will build that birthing center in Tanzania. Well, that somebody else was us. Right? And so, so what happens is we get passionate, apathetic people get threatened. 
And so some of your friends are like, why do you, why do you get so excited about Sundays? Like you say things like it's the best day, it's the best day of the week. Like Sunday mornings, the 70 minutes of church are the best 70 minutes of your week. And, and you keep wanting to go back every week. You know what I want to be? I want a church, I want to be a church that never loses its passion. That's what I want to be. You see, you weren't, you weren't meant to get by in this life. You were meant to flourish. Jesus gave it all. He's asking us to give it back. The other day, it was, the, I don't know how long ago, it was a couple months. Uh, we were driving through Starbucks and we had our RLC gear on because uh, if I'm not, for whatever reason, the only clothes I own, even though I got a full closet, has some type of Radiant Life Church logo on it. And uh, we're sitting there, we ordered our drinks and we go to pay and the barista looks out the window and all of a sudden the barista goes, oh, you're from that church. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like, I, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Did somebody else wear the same church or the same shirt out in public and they did something that was horrible and now we got a bad reputation in the community? What's crazy is like we donate clothes to Goodwill, but anything that has our old church logo on it, we actually cut it up and throw it away. Just in case somebody from Goodwill decides they want to act a fool and represent Radiant Life Church in a bad way. Like, no, we just put it right. But, but here's the deal. I was like, I'm not sure how to respond. Like, what am I supposed to do? She said it, she kind of said it with a, with a good attitude. So I'm like, maybe that's a good thing. Like, hey, yeah, we're part of that church. And then I hid my logo. I was like, I don't know. You're... No, I didn't do that. But, but, but here's the deal. What does it mean, that church? And then it got me thinking, what do you want to be known for? Do, do you want to be known for being boring, dry, stale, full of a bunch of Karen, stagnant, judgmental, very, very exclusive, more country club, more than a hospital stuck up, us four, no more? I don't know about you, but I don't want to pastor that church. I don't want to lead that church. I don't even want to attend that church. So what, what kind of church do I want to be known for? A church that's full of life, a church that's exciting, a church that's full of passion and caring, and a church that understands what it means to value love and that people matter, that a church that, that understands what it means to be better together and to be in unity in one accord and, and serving and growing and doing life together, that has a heart for the city, that understands we're here for a greater cause, something so much bigger than ourselves. I want, to be, I want to be a part of a church that's too nice. Hey, we, we, we say you show up as a guest, you leave as a family, and some of you are like, ease up, hold on. Right? You may get invited to a life group, or I think we have 15 of them. You get invited. Hey, hope you get invited to all 15. You're like, that wouldn't be, you think that wouldn't be too much? Here's what I know. I would rather be too kind than ignore you. Because that's who we are. And so we want to be passionate. And that's the kind of church that I want to pastor. So if we're going to be passionate, then we have to be willing to go beyond. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the scripture tells us, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This, this, this Greek word for zeal, zealous, uh, it means white hot. It means boiling over. Now think of coals, white hot. Right, how many remember the old school game? I don't know if people still play it, but hot potato. You, like you're receiving that aluminum foil baked potato and it is white hot, right? It is burning your fingers. I just wonder for a moment if our lives of following Christ were the potato and someone caught us, would they have to drop us because our passion for Christ is so white hot or would they go, I feel nothing? 
How would that be received? Because I want a passion that's white hot. I want, I want coals that are boiling. I want my life to be hotter than the lunch number 14 at Casa. Some of you, some of you are catching that reference. If you don't know what the number 14 is, that's the fajitas. I have an addiction to Casa, okay? And I get the number 14 and every single time, I don't think they've never ever not said it. Every single time they bring the plate to the table and what do they say? Hot plate, hot plate, don't touch it. Every single time I want someone to be like, man, that, that, your life is full of passion. It's that hot. Christianity is supposed to be full of passion. I want to be a church that has passion for prayer and for worship for people. I do not want to be the church in Revelation 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Now understand, in, in the book of Revelation, there's seven letters, the beginning there, that, to seven churches. And this is one of those churches. It says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstands from its place among the churches. You see, I, I, don't want, I don't want the lights to be turned off at Radiant Life Church. Radiant is glowing. Radiant is about ignition. Radiant is a burst. Radiant, radiant exudes passion. And I, I don't want the lampstand to be taken from the church because we have a lack of passion and we've missed the first love. This is a challenge to all of us to, to have a second choice and a second chance. Go back, love as you did it first. Do we, do we remember how we love to pray? We remember how we love to give. We remember how we love to serve. We remember how we love to worship. We remember how we had time for people. It says to repent, to turn around, right? So you, you're here. It doesn't, it doesn't want you to do a 360 and keep going the same direction. No, it wants you repent is turn around and go the other way. Go back to when you are passionate about prayer and people and worship. When it wasn't just something to check off the list, like, ah, I gotta go to church today, check, check. It's something that exudes from your heart that you go, man, I, I can't live without it. Here's what I know. It's better to hurt with passion than to exist without it. The scripture says that it's like a fire shut up in my bones, right? It's got to come out. And so do we have that kind of passion? Because it's a value of ours. So just as we've done over the last two other weeks, we're going to do today. So I shared some behaviors of what from that passion. Now, again, this isn't behavior modification. This is spiritual transformation. As we get closer to Jesus, as, as our lives become more like his, we begin to do things that, that he would do, that he's asked us to do in his word. So I'm gonna give you six behaviors real quick. Because we value passion, we're willing to work hard. We work hard. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 13. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear this, that some of you are living out of lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. So we work as if it depends on us and we pray as it depends on God. Right? We, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I, I'm gonna do what you've asked me to do, but I'm trusting you to do what only you can do. So in, the, in those moments, what I'm willing to do is I'm willing to work hard. I love what verse 13 says. Never get tired of doing good. Doing good to others is not a singular choice. It's a lifestyle worth living. It's not just a, hey, I did good today. You know what? There was an offering at church and it was for, it was for those in the foster care system. So I threw in my dollar, I feel better. So the rest of the day, 
I will be a jerk to everyone I see because I've done one good thing. No, it's not just a choice. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's something that we choose to do. Last week, I f- totally forgot about it. And then it caught me when I was preparing the message. Uh, the first week that I was, uh, that Angel and I and our family had come, uh, Again, last week, I remembered that that was our anniversary. So we've been here 12 years, which is awesome. We made it 12 years. That's very good. I, somehow, some way, it's because of my wife, I'm sure. They haven't fired me yet because they know if they fire me, then she leaves with me. And so that's, I'm assuming that's kind of how it's happened. Um, but, but understand it was our first week and uh, there, was, there was an event that was taking place. And so we had to carry tables. Now understand, and this, this isn't me knocking, but when we first arrived here at church, when we brought our three girls, the kids' ministry doubled, okay? The average age of the church was probably somewhere in the low to mid-70s, all right? So, so we, we had this event, and then it's time to put the tables away. This was before the church had purchased plastic tables. These were wood eight-foot tables. How many of you know and remember wood eight-foot tables in the metal frames and so here's some of our elderly and there's one on one end, there's one on another and they're doing their best to carry these chairs and they're dropping them on the ground and it felt like it was a mile from the fellowship hall to the storage closet. And I came by and I was like, let me get that for you. I'll carry that. And they were like, pastor, you don't have to do that. And I was like, well, no, I don't have to, but I want to. And then I carried it all and I was done. And I, I, I just kind of wondered like, what is like, how come everyone was like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And then one of our saints, I can't remember who it was, came up to me and they said, we're not used to that. And I was like, what do you mean you're not used to that? Well, the, the former pastor, he never helped move any tables. He said that was for other people to do. And I said, well, hear me on this. I want you to know something. That will always be something that I desire to do. Because I will always, my heart will always burn with passion to serve other people. I will always be willing to stack chairs. I will always be willing to help carry tables, especially the nice light plastic ones. Why? Because I don't want my passion to flicker. I don't, I don't want my ego or my head to get so big that I, I would think it was beneath me. And so we serve with a passion, which means we're willing to work hard. Number two, because we value passion and we're willing to strive for excellence. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone competes in the game, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. How do we, how do we move the needle? Because excellence is a moving target. But how do we move the needle? I love our worship. Our worship team did a phenomenal job this morning. Uh, they crushed it. But, but maybe after service, we go, man, that was excellence. That was 97%. It's hard to get there. But, but how do we move the needle just one more percent? How do we get to 98? Right, that's the heart of excellence. It's saying, man, we, we want to move the needle just a little bit. But striving for, for excellence means we have to be open to change because it is a moving target. So we have to be willing to give our best for his best. So are you willing to give your best for his best? Because that's excellence. Did you know our building this December is going to be eight years old? It's hard to believe that we've been in here eight years already. Just a few short weeks ago, we had some guests come through and they were like, man, how long has this building been here? Like two years? And I was like, oh, we're, it's gonna be eight years old. And they were like, that's, there's no way. This building is way too clean. Like the marks on the walls, the things, like the stuff is not there and it still smells new. And I was like, yeah because we put a lot of love and care into it. 
We're, we're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure to keep it working in excellent condition. And so we want to make sure we're striving for excellence because we value passion. We're willing to, number three, is utilize creativity. Exodus 35, 35 says, he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, and blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Did you know that all of you have a skill, a gift set? But did you also know that the gifts God has given you are meant to be used for his glory? Now, it, it just so happens that, that many of your gifts also are what helps you earn a paycheck. But those gifts are meant for his glory. You see, for me, I have, I have no desire to do what every other church in our city is doing. I love being creative. I will tell you this. You want to make sure you get here early on, for our Christmas services. It's going to be Christmas Eve, 9 and 11. But you're going to want to get here early. Don't worry, we'll have plenty of extra chairs set up. And you want to invite your friends. Because as we've been planning and dreaming and looking at, we don't want, I don't want to do what every other church is doing. I want to be creative with, with the gifts that God has given to Radiant Life Church. The skills that God has given to Radiant Life Church. It's, it's, it's so important for us that we're doing something totally different. We're, there's going to be two different sermons at Christmas. Two. Some of you went right there. Not very creative and sounds very boring. Only about five minutes long for each of them. Why? Because there are so many gifts and abilities and talent and skills that we want to make sure that we're lifting up the name of Jesus, the name that's above all names. And we want to make sure that we're doing it, utilizing creativity. So make sure you join us. Because we value passion, you have to be willing to finish what you start. Here's what I love about scripture. You're like, well, is that biblical? Is that biblical to finish what you start? First Corinthians 8, 10 through 11. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started. Right? So you started it a year ago. Last year, you were, were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Now understand, contextually, what the text is talking about is, is offerings and giving and our generosity. But if you started a pledge in 2023, you should finish your missions pledge in 2023. And so for us, we want to make sure we finish what we start. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. When you walk into a room, we challenge everyone to leave it better than you found it. That's physically and spiritually. What do I mean by that? It means you walk in and you're like, oh, there's, there's some trash on the floor or, or pick it up and put it in the trash can. But how do we do that spiritually or emotionally? It means that we go into a room looking to build others up and not tear them down. We want to make sure when we leave the room, people are going, man, I don't know what just happened, but I feel like a million bucks. Like, I feel like I could take on hell with a squirt gun because, man, these people are just so encouraging and they're so nice. And so we want to make sure that, that we, are, we are building people up and we're finishing what we start. So in midweeks when we're doing this parenting class, man, I encourage parents, please get there. Right, but I, I would also encourage you parents, this is a great model for you to teach your children at a young age to honor their commitments. If they say yes to it, then make sure they honor that. If they made a pledge for, to give to BGMC, then let's do some chores around the house and make sure we give that $5 to BGMC. It's something that Pastor Angel and I, uh, more so her, because she's a much better parent than I am, but, but here's the deal is, is, is she made sure, and we made sure that our, our children understood what their commitments were. So as they got older, right, and you make decisions, 
We do it as adults. We make decisions. We say yes to things. And then three months later, when it's time to fulfill that obligation, something else comes along. Hey, it would be great. You know what? I just got invited to go to Cedar Point and it's going to be for two days and -and so-and-so's parents are paying for it. You said you would volunteer to serve that day. I get it's important and I get it would be awesome, but we're going to honor our commitments and we're going to let our yes be a yes. Because what are we doing? We're modeling for our children. This is not something we want to do out of obligation. It's something we want to do out of passion. And so we're going to finish what we start. Number five, if you're, you're taking notes, is if we, have to, if we value passion, and we're, then we have to be willing to take personal ownership. We have to be willing to take personal ownership. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love the Bible. Don't you love the Bible? Look at the person next to you and say, the Bible says you're not that important. But they are that important, right? But here's the deal. When we feel like, when we feel like that we shouldn't share in each other's burdens or obey the law, if we think we're too important to help somebody else who is in need, then we're missing the mark and we're really not that important. And so the scripture goes on to say, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we each are responsible for our own conduct. We're responsible. That means there's personal ownership. We say, see it, do it. If you see something that needs done, then you do it. If you see something that somebody else has done, then you say it. Hey, I appreciate that. I see what you did there. I love how you opened the door, right? So you're seeing it and you're saying it. Pastor Anthony, uh, just a few short weeks ago, he challenged our staff and he asked all of our staff this question. And then we unpacked it more at our, at our retreat. If our next campus, the next campus of Radiant Life Church that's coming in September of 2024, if that campus's success was solely dependent upon you, how would it succeed? So as the staff had to go, oh, am I, doing our, am I doing my part? And I would challenge you with that same question, not for shame. Like, well, if you don't do it, it fails. What I'm saying is personal ownership. We all have a part to play. So the next campus launch of Radiant Life Church, if it was only up to you, what would the success of that campus be? Now that, that means... Maybe, maybe it's just financial and you continue to give generously. Maybe, maybe you feel compelled to be a part, a part of that launch team. And so you go and you serve with all, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Maybe it's with prayer. Maybe you begin walking the community and you, you seek the Lord and you pray. What you're doing is taking personal ownership. You be the model we use as the example. Right? If we're like, hey man, follow me as I follow Christ. Can we put your cut out? right up here and be like, this person right here, they get it, they understand it, they're the model because they live it with their example. Lastly, because we value passion, we're willing to be dedicated. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Right, everything you do, 
do it as unto the Lord. Right? If your worship is passionate, then let your serving be passionate. If, if, if the joy of generosity you do with, with, with just a great passion, then help others with that same passion. I found an article and I want to share it with you. There's nine traits, uh, nine physical traits or characteristics of a signs of an employee who is dedicated. Right? So if, if you're, you work and you're like, man, this is, this, is, this is me, right? This is nine signs that someone is a dedicated employee. And here's the nine. Number one is this. They're known for getting things done. Second, punctuality at all times for, for work, for meetings. Third, positive attitude. Everybody loves them, right? Clients, coworkers, people who, who are there. Number four, they possess a high work ethic. Number five, they, they show up, right? They don't miss. Number six, is they're flexible to change when, when change is necessary. Seven, is a visible passion for work, almost infectious. Number eight, is often demonstrates initiative. They're go-getters. And then lastly, they know the mission, the history, and the values of the business, and they see the vision. And I, lo- I love all those. I'm like, man, I, that's, a, that's a TED talk right there. That's a, right, that, that, that you could take on the road and be able to unpack and be like, hey, you want to know what it looks like to be a dedicated employee? Here it is. And I, I love those. But as I, as I began reading that, the thought hit me. If we're willing to be that dedicated to our job, could we be that dedicated to Jesus? Could we be that dedicated to Jesus? So let me, let me reread those and see if we put them on through our spiritual lenses. So what does it look like to be dedicated? We're known for getting things done. That means I will work for the kingdom, right? I will, I will work hard for the kingdom. We're punctual. That means we show up ready to bless, right? We don't, we don't wait for the worship team to encourage us or sing the right song. It means all week we've been preparing in our hearts to worship. And so we're ready to go. Positive attitude. That means I will let my light shine before all men, right? I will show up. I will, I will, I will have the biggest smile from ear to ear. Possesses a high work ethic. That means I'm all in. I'm a team player. I'm, I may not be the best on the team, but I'm going to be the best for the team. If whatever the team needs, I'm willing to sacrifice. Shows high attendance. I don't want to miss a day, right? I don't want to miss a day of being in the word. I don't want to miss a day of praying for the needs of other people. Flexible to change. That means that's what we'll be talking about next week with our attitude. When you ask, my answer is yes, because I want to be flexible to the heart of what's happening. A visible passion for work, a visible passion for Jesus, demonstrates initiative. Listen, it may not be my job, but it is my responsibility. Right? This may not be job. I may not get paid for this. This is Pastor Lance's job. He needs, he needs to do this, but there's a responsibility on my end because I want to be dedicated. And then lastly, knows the mission and history and the values. Radiant Life Church, Real Relationship, Life Change, Community, the values, Lupa, that's why we're here. So this morning, how do we use that passion? Here's, here's what I know. I will always fall short. I will miss the mark on love. I will miss the mark on unity. I will miss the mark on passion. I will miss the mark on attitude. But I know with Jesus' help, there's greater possibility for me to hit the target of love and unity, and passion, and attitude. But that means I have to know who Jesus is. So for just a moment, I know I say it this way, and some people are like, yeah, it's just like, do I have to? Yeah, uh, you don't have to, but I like to make this moment personal. You see, it starts with Jesus. All this passion is, is a passion that's a relationship with Jesus. So for just a moment with your eyes closed and no one looking around, because I want it to be a personal moment. 
for each and every one in the room. If you're online and in this you, you raise your hand. There's a host that would love to pray with you because I, I, I want an opportunity to pray with you this morning. If you're here and you would say, that's me, Pastor Lance. I don't, I don't have this relationship with Jesus, but I want one. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up toward heaven? I wanna pray with you this morning as you make this important decision, a decision that will change the trajectory truly of your life. A decision where you say, man, I'm all, I'm all in. I want him to be Lord of my life. So Jesus, this morning, as we pause, we say yes to you. We say yes to you, those whose hands lifted, those whose hearts were open. God, this is a moment where their, their life is changed. This is a catalyst, a springboard to the new them. This is the moment where they say yes to you as Lord and Savior, and their, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So Father, this is a personal moment, a private moment. And Father, we thank you for who you are and the love that you have lavished on us as your children. And we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I have one last challenge for you before we go, right? You'll notice there's no worship team and you're like, well, what are we gonna do? Like, how do you give a challenge and there's no one up here? I wanna give you a challenge this morning and I, I simply want to ask a question. Are you willing to go the second mile? Are you willing to go the second mile? Because remember, the first mile is obligation. The second mile, that's love, that's passion. That's saying, man, I'm all in. And if, and if someone asks me to go the first, I'm not just gonna go one, I'm gonna go two. One is obligation and duty. The other says, man, I'm full of passion. And I don't wanna receive the glory, but I want it to be for his glory. So let me ask you two quick questions with this, or two quick statements, I want some responses. If you're willing to go the second mile, here's what I, you don't have to close your eyes for this one. You keep your eyes open. If you're willing to go the second mile, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Say, I'm going the second mile. I'm going the second mile. And if you don't raise your hand, it's okay. Uh, there's no shame here, right? Just say, I'm willing to go the second mile. I, I want to challenge you with one other thing as we close today. Be at the end of all of our pre-service meetings, production, kids, first impressions, we pray. We pray for you. We pray for our services. And then when we're done, we do this thing called hands in. Hands in, we stand there and usually it's around the value. So today it was hands in and attitude, like not a bad one, but let's have a positive one, right? Like, so we put our hands in and we're like, yeah, one, two, three, attitude. I wanna do a little hands in. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not having you do a big circle. What I want you to do symbolically, do me a favor, I want you to put your hands out. So I'll say one, two, three. And when I say one, two, three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say second mile. I'm not just gonna go one, but I'm willing to go two. And here's the deal, it's okay to be loud. How many know sometimes with passion, you get a little loud? At one o'clock today, I'm gonna get a little loud. I hope at four, I'm a little loud for a good reason. <laughs> you know how many know what I'm talking about, right? Like, but I'm allowed to get loud in church. I'm allowed to be passionate. I wanna be white hot for Jesus. I wanna be the potato. When you touch it, you go, man, you need to back off, Pastor Lance. Like you just, it's a fire, shut up. And so it's okay to get a little loud. It's okay to be passionate. We value passion, let's go beyond. So here's what we're gonna do. One, two, three, second mile. You ready? Hands out, hands in, here we go. Oh, I got you there, right? Second mile, ready? One, two, three, second mile, let's go. That's what we're gonna be passionate about. Let's get ready to go on that second mile.